You can turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, we'll be looking at verses 37 through 42 this afternoon. And we come to another one of those sayings of Jesus that is difficult to understand and is oftentimes misapplied, misinterpreted. This command to judge not, and you will not be judged. I'll begin with this question, who do you follow? I don't mean on social media, we have to give that clarification today, but in life, who, who are your examples? Who do you look to as mentors? You don't have someone out the ready to, to refer to who it is immediately, then I would say you, you need to think about that. It's an important question to consider, and, it, and it's something... Um, that will be directly applied here by Christ in this teaching. And the religious example that these disciples who were listening to Jesus had prior to his teaching was that of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were keen on judging and condemning everyone who didn't quite meet their man-made standards. They took God's law and they multiplied that law and added so many more boundaries and parameters to that law and then said, you can't cross those, and if you do, you're not honoring God. And they condemned everyone who did not uphold those same standards. So the Pharisees were not only hypocritical in their judgment of sin, but they were entirely graceless in their condemnation of sinners. They... they, they were harsh. They showed no compassion. And so who don't speaks of the importance of following teachers who lead with a godly character, who don't only have the right doctrine, but also have a life that is consistent with their teaching. And that comes under attack in every age. Right? It seems like every time we turn on the news, there's another pastor who's fallen, even in our own denomination. It happens. And so this is a, a passage to consider carefully. Who it is that you follow? Who are your examples? And I think I, I see this as another application of the golden rule. We've been talking about the golden rule the last two weeks, two weeks prior to this. So the golden rule is ultimately about imitating the gracious and generous example of our master. Right? It's about imitating Jesus, first and foremost. And so we could say like, like, well, what Paul said was imitate me as I imitate Christ. Right? As those who are imitating and living lives like our Savior, then we can and should look to them as examples for us as well. So before we read this passage, let's ask the Lord for his help in understanding it. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for this exhortation that was given to disciples, um, and, and it applies in every age, that we continue to deal with teachers who are harsh, who judge others and condemn them, all the while overlooking their own sin, making light of their own failures. So Lord, protect us from that. Protect the leadership of this church from falling into that kind of uh, trap. Lord, 
preserve the truth of your gospel and allow us to speak the truth in love, filled with compassion. Need to hear. May we hear these words of Jesus as they were given to people who need to hear it. And may we respond in obedience to this truth. It's in Christ's name that we ask it. Amen. Read with me Luke chapter 6, verses 37 through 42. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log That is in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Amen. This is God's holy word. I'd like to see this in two sections here, and if you're looking at the ESV, you see it broken down by those paragraphs 37 and 38. And then the second paragraph, verses 39 through 42. And so in this first principle is the, is the command to judge not. And what he concludes with is that we should have a generous measurement. That we should measure with generosity those we interact with. What he's not saying is... Simply what goes around comes around. Or he's not just simply using another word for karma here. This is an application of the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so he gives two commands of what not to do, first of all, and they're linked. He says what you shouldn't do is judge. Judge not nor can, and condemn not. So first of all, with judging, this is not the same as criticizing a lifestyle that is out of accord with biblical values. It's not the same as that. That is not judging. To hold someone accountable for biblical values is not judging. It is not judging to practice church discipline. If church discipline were judging, then then the rest of the New Testament becomes problematic, right? Right? And so anyone who just bristles at the idea of, of, of you asking about any particular sin or, or belief, you know, I think a false doctrine is another example of uh, that, that this isn't applying to. If you have someone who believes something that is false about God, you correct it. That's not judging them. So again, criticizing a lifestyle of sin, practicing church discipline, correcting false doctrine, all of these are examples that you could categorize as judgment. And judgment itself is not bad. It's, it's when it's combined here with condemnation. That's what he's really getting at. And when you compare it with 
<coughs> with the instruction in the Sermon on the Mount, it's drawn out as well. He's talking about rejecting the person rather than simply rebuking them for their sin. There's a difference between correcting someone, rebuking the sin that you see in them, and, and just simply casting them off and rejecting their presence altogether, saying, I want nothing to do with you. That's, first of all, what we're not to be like. And of course, he has in mind here the pharisaical attitude that did treat people like this, that loved those who were like them and hated those who were not like them. So he's correcting that. But what's the character that we're to put on? It's what should we do if we're not to judge or condemn in that way, to just simply reject everyone who's unlike us, we are to be filled with forgiveness and with a giving spirit, with a generous spirit. All right, he says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Be prepared to forgive anyone at all times. That's the Christian's mindset. Someone has offended us. It's okay to be offended. But it's not okay to hold on to that offense when someone is trying to apologize, when someone is trying to make it right, when someone is trying to say, look, I I did something wrong, and I need to acknowledge that. The, The Christian response is to forgive, to be ready to forgive at all times. And, and not just forgive certain people at all times, right? Not just forgive your family members, but to forgive anyone who's repentant. Also, we're to give generously. In the example he, he elaborates on, he says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. This is a picture of grain. Right? It's grain that's being pressed down and shaken so that more can be added to it. So you go to the marketplace, you pick up your basket of grain, and, and a good, generous storekeeper is going to press that grain down and shake it together, and he's going to continue to pour more in so that it, it's even overflowing. It's beyond what the basket could even carry. That's the picking of the Christian's generosity. It should be running over, put into your lap, for with that measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Again, we kind of reflected upon this in, in, during the offering this morning, this idea that you can't outgive God, right? When you're a generous person, God is generous to you. Now, that doesn't mean that you can sow your seed, give your check to Creflo Dollar, and he'll send you back something, or insert whichever personality you want to replace there, um, who has made a promise that if you buy something from them, a, a sweat rag or a prayer card or a, whatever it is that they're selling for an obscene amount, that you're going to inherit some large amount of money, right? It's 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 spiritual benefits, spiritual blessings, mostly and primarily, and that is what you'll want for all eternity because the money is just going to go to the wayside. It's going to go on to the next generation, but eventually money's going to be worthless. 
right? In eternity, what counts is those spiritual blessings. And so we give generously, and we expect God to bless us, as he already has. Now, coming back to this idea of judging not, um, I was reading an article. Maybe you've heard the name J.D. Greer. Um, he's, I believe, it, he, he recently was elected as the president, the new president of the Southern Baptist um, denomination. And a few people tried to take some of what he said out of context and throw him under the bus as being sympathetic um, to a homosexual agenda. And so they tried to say, look, what are we doing? We're, we're really on a slippery slope here, people. We need to be careful about this J.D. Greer guy. But in fact, when you read articles, there's, there's nothing to be fearful of, um, in my opinion. And there's one where he particularly speaks of this command right here, judge not. And he brings up the issue of how, how it's been twisted. He says, judge not is one of the most popular Bible verses in our society, especially among non-Christians. It's the culture who uses this more, more often than Christians. It seems to fit in with two of our society's most basic assumptions, that one, religion is private, and two, morality is relative. Neither of which are true, even in this context. Right? And so the context disallows either of these assumptions. In fact, it's just the opposite. Religion is public, and morality is objective, based upon the standard that God has given. So following Jesus Christ is, is not a private matter, nor does it lead to moral ambiguity. There, there may be some areas where we have to use some discernment, but we have principles that guide us. And where we can be dogmatic is where Scripture is quite clear and where culture wants to muddy the waters or blur things. Um, oftentimes is, is where Scripture has been very clear. So they get around that by saying, well, it's outdated, or those commands were for a particular culture at a particular time. And that's not the case here, right? Jesus is commending a gracious approach to discipleship. Right? Christianity is to be attractive for the forgiveness that it offers and for the blessings that it provides. But unfortunately, modern evangelicalism has adopted this pharisaical method of discipleship. Right, where we condemn sinners, much like David responded, right? overlooking his own personal failures in order to utterly damn Nathan and everyone else in their sin. We have this when Nathan comes to rebuke him. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, And the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him, and he said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he, had, which he had bought, and he brought it up. And it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. And it was like a daughter to him. Now, there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb 
and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Nathan said to him, You're the man. I don't think he said it quietly like that. You're the man that you're condemning to death. You're, you're the one who stole the poor man's sheep, lamb, and took it for yourself. And this is how we oftentimes respond. We see the failures of others so clearly, and we point them out fiercely, and yet we do not take the time to reflect upon our own sin, to seek repentance for our own failures. And, and here's the thing. Jesus is telling us when we communicate to, to uh, the world, we should communicate the truth with passion. We shouldn't be afraid of what God's word says. And that's to fear man more than we fear God. We should. But we should um, communicate it with compassion. Right? Communicate it with passion that's never absent of compassion. We must make the distinction between rebuking the sin and loving the sinner. It's all too easy to just reject both. You know, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to be around it. And yet the Christian should be capable of making a distinction between rebuking the sin and loving the sinner. In the next section of... Um, he gives two parables that really, it just says a, uh, a parable that comes in two parts here. He told them a parable, verse 39, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? So the blind can't lead the blind. And R.C. Sproul in his commentary references a scene in Alice in Wonderland. It's where Alice asked the Cheshire cat, for help deciding which direction she should go. Right? She's come to this fork in the road. She sees the cat in a tree, and she's lost. She doesn't know which way to turn. She says, I don't know which turn I should follow. I don't know whether to go to the left or to the right. Can you help me? And the cat says, that depends on where you're going. Alice says, I don't know. And the cat grinned and said, then it doesn't matter. Right? That's the blind leading the blind, right? If you don't know where you're going, then it doesn't matter. And it's sad that many don't know where they're going. They don't know where they are even, much like Alice. But it's even worse when you're following people who don't know where they're going. Right? The blind can't lead the blind, and those you follow are having an effect on you. You become like them. A disciple and become like their masters, like their teachers. And that can be for good, as it is in the apostles in Acts chapter 4. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They saw in the way they spoke, in the way they, they carried on in the early church, that these people had been transformed, had been changed by their master. Or it can be for bad if you're following 
someone like the Pharisees. And so the hypocritical religious leader has this plank in his eye. This is, I think, a picture of sarcasm, much like we saw this morning. There's humor in God's word. Um, here there's this, this image that, the, that everyone's supposed to have of a, of a person walking around with a plank sticking out of their eye, trying to correct all the specks in, in the eyes of those around them. Right? They've been blinded. And so he'll never be able to properly remove the specks from his brother's eye. However, if the teacher does remove that plank, which involves repentance, then he will be able to properly remove the speck from his brother's eye. Jesus says that. So this isn't about never pointing out a speck, never pointing out a flaw or a failure but it's recognizing the need to first deal with ourselves, to do a self-assessment before we start correcting others. Make sure that we're not harping on that just because we're feeling condemned ourselves when we see it. Unfortunately, like I said, many are like Alice. Where they're unsure where they are and where they're going. And so the average person simply follows whoever catches their interest, right? So the charismatic leader regardless of doctrine, gains the most followers, the one who's the most attractive. And it wasn't in Jesus' day. The Pharisees were loud. They were obnoxious. And yet they were clueless about God's will. And they had many who looked up to them and respected them because they had a lot of knowledge. But they used it for their own pride. On the other hand, what do you have in the example of Jesus Christ? He always did the will of his Father. And so we can confidently follow Christ's example. So again, the golden rule is about reflecting this generous and this gracious example of our Lord. Jesus used a generous measurement in showing love and mercy to his disciples. And his parable on discipleship reminds us of the need for repentance before diagnosing the sins of others. And so we're to take heed lest we ourselves fall. We should be the first to say, but for the grace of God, there go I. That I'd be doing the same thing if it weren't for the preservation of my Lord and Savior. And so this theme of not taking heed and of falling is repeated with a, a shameful consistency in every age. In fact, someone who I looked up to as a preacher in the past few months has confessed to adultery, immorality. And he won't be the last in my lifetime. But with remarkable consistency, what do we find in Jesus? He shows us God's grace and his generosity over and over again in his word. And it's his spirit that enables us to bless others with that same grace and generosity. So Daryl Box says, the deeper our understanding and appreciation of what God has done, the better prepared we will be to reveal his character to others. Right, if we find ourselves stingy, if we find ourselves 
being difficult uh, to show grace, find ourselves wanting to condemn more than show compassion. It's possible that we need to be reminded of what Christ has done for us. We need to once again hear the gospel and preach it to ourselves and remove the plank from our own eye before condemning everyone else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,